Welcome to the Beers and Miles podcast, where we talk about beers, miles, and whatever else we can manage to jump off topic with. My name is Chris, and we're here for another episode of the Beers and Miles, the Elite Files. I'm super excited about this uh, this week, um, and as we start with every episode, I'm going to open for beer. We are drinking Westbrook Goza from uh, Westbrook Brewing Company out of Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Nice little Goza following a uh, following a little bit of a run. Uh, we're, we're almost up to our half marathon, so we'll see how that goes. Joining us this week, we have our usual suspects. We have Brent Hunter. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, I've had a couple good runs in a row that have gotten my spirits back up after having a to drop out of a workout last weekend, and I made some bomb ass French toast for dinner. So I'm having a, I'm having a good day. Awesome, awesome. And of course, we have Nicole Derard. How you doing? Hey, um, pretty good. I am currently drinking a protein shake, not drinking a beer, sadly, but I do have a bumbleberry lined up for the occasion. Um, This protein shake, I'm going to talk about it for a second because it's more fun than any of my running lately, (laughs) but it's a strawberry milkshake flavored protein shake, and I accidentally put whole chia seeds in it and did a very poor job of blending this thing, so it just straight up tastes like an actual strawberry with like the seeds and all. So it's very strange. Um, So that's what we're getting into before rewarding ourselves with a beer for putting up with this. Well then, we're just gonna like halfway through, you're just gonna hear Nicole choking because she had too many chia seeds in it. This is not gonna be great. Um, Anyways, we're already off topic from the very beginning. Uh, As for our guest today, we have really one of the bright spots of a crazy 2020. a star athlete at American University. This is one of the coolest stories of the running that I've actually heard in the past couple of years. It's somebody that took a ton of time off running and came back and hit, like I said, one of the bright spots of 2020. We have Kira D'Amato. She just gives us some stats from this past year. We have a time travel 5K of 1504, which is impressive enough, but then goes back and goes and does a half marathon. 68.57 runs the American record in the 10 mile with the 51.23, and then goes out and runs a 2.22 marathon at the Marathon Project, um, and is just rocking and rolling, goes out and gets the uh, the OTQ and the 10K at the, uh, I believe it was a Texas qualifier too. So thank you for joining us, Kira. How are you doing today? I am doing awesome. I am very excited when Brent used the word bomb ass. I am going to start putting that into my vocabulary and ask that my family describes my dinners as bomb ass because I don't think anyone's ever said that about anything I've cooked before. But uh, yeah, I'm doing good. And then you guys sent me some awesome beers. I'm going to be honest, I am like the cheapest date in the world. So I'm going to crack open probably all of these and taste them, but I think my husband's going to have to play uh, clean up on aisle four for me. But, yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. That's why we threw, threw a couple more so you could have some too. <laughs> we tried to give you a nice variety so you could taste test yeah. and then get your husband really drunk. <laughs> I feel like you guys nailed me as far as I just opened up the RAS meat. Um, that sounds, it actually just took a sip. It's delicious. And then um, the other one has pineapple and I think hits like of citrus and that's all up my alley too. So thank you guys. Awesome. This, this is awesome. I like, I like the format of this. Yeah. So we sent over some, uh, 
what I think is some of the best breweries in Ohio. So we sent over some uh, Jackios. They're out of Athens, Ohio. Um, great people out there. They do a lot of just IPAs, stouts, sours. They have a really good barrel program. But like Razwi is one of the, it's hot summer day or you finish with the run. It's always nice to drink. And then we threw some Who Farted because uh, we always throw Who Farted on everything. <laughs> that's, oh, that's awesome. I uh, I got I posted a picture up on Instagram and I had a number of people say that the Jackie O's is like the bomb. They didn't say bomb ass, but they did say the bomb, and so I was pretty excited. I waited until this moment to try it, and it is delicious. Yay! That's awesome. <laughs> I'm super happy to hear that. <laughs> well, we've been uh, I mean we've been hearing a bunch from you over i've been listening to some of the podcasts that you've been on um learning a lot about you apparently you're a big survivor fan i i need to watch survivor apparently because like what you guys are talking about sounded amazing um and then uh you're also a huge uh root beer fan a root beer float fanatic is for what i'm looking at um yeah so we'll get to that so let's go in and talk about about you so you started up um running of course, in high school, you had a pretty good high school career. Actually, when I was looking through, if it would have been like probably in, in like in the last ten years, a ninth place at at Foot Locker Midwest would have got you to Foot Locker Nats. I think. <laughs> I was looking at those like I forgot they had it at eight places at one point. Oh, that was so heartbreaking! It was my goal all season was to try to qualify for Foot Locker, and I won states. So I was in the best shape of my life, and then I finished ninth. And when they take the top eight, and I remember the first thing that anyone said to me afterwards, and I'm like, just trying to like, keep it together. You know, I'm obviously disappointed, but someone came up to me and said, this is the fastest time to never, to not qualify ever. <sighs> like you would have won the race last year. You would have been second the year before that. Like, this is the fastest time to ever not qualify. And I'm like, I guess thanks. But also I'm like pretty pissed right now. But, um, but yeah, that was like, my first like real major like heartbreak in the sport and I was really pissed about it at first but then I kind of used it like fuel for the fire so like when things would get tough with workouts or when things weren't going my way it was like you don't want to be ninth again you don't want to be ninth again so it really it definitely fueled me but now now that they take the top 10 uh, I'm happy for that ninth and 10th place finisher because I was that ninth and 10th place finisher so I'm glad that they adjusted that. And if I remember correctly, I'm a huge dice stat nerd, so I was always reading stuff from back, from back, like early 2000s is what got me inspired to be like running. Um, and at that point, Virginia, you you grew up in Virginia, correct? Correct. Yeah. So at that point, that I mean, that was one of the most competitive states as far as the men's side. I remember that being really competitive. You had South Lakes High and and all that stuff. Was it the same way on the women's side? Yeah, it was, it was pretty competitive. It was, so I went to Oakton, which was like, if I, my house was like a hundred meters north, I would have gone to South Lake. So I was right there on the line. And one of my teammates at the time, a year older than me, was the same year as Alan Webb. And he was, I think, the fastest person in the nation to never be able to even win a district beat because he was the same age as Alan. <laughs> so he ended up that year, his name is Matt Moline, but he qualified for, um, the world cross country i think the junior worlds for cross country so he was like sixth place in that or something and qualified but he was second to alan in everything including just like you know little district or like just the you know just the little dual meets like he could like alan was always there kind of had his number but yeah it was a super super competitive uh area and then how did 
So from there, how'd you end up at American University? Was the allure of having a uh, a superstar like Matt Centroid Sr. as a coach, was that a lot of the reason or how'd you end up at American? Yeah, I think that was probably about 90% of the reason. So I really was excited to have a coach that's been there, done that. Um, not only has he coached Olympians, but he was an Olympian and American record holder himself. So I like appreciated that he knew how to coach and he knew what it was like to be there. So I just had a lot of trust in him. But then also he was coaching um, a group at the time called the Five O'Clock Group, which was a bunch of um, like post-collegiate like professional runners that he would train at night. So I thought that once, you know, if I was a freshman, I'd probably have some females to run with, but but by the time I was a junior and senior, I kind of thought that I'd always have that professional group to train, to train with and have them to kick my butt. So it just, it it felt like that's where I thought I could run the fastest. Nice. And so coming out of high school, I mean, we only have, at the most, you're going to be running 5k for cross country. When you came into college, you, from looking afterward, were you a miler to start off with? I was, yeah. Yeah, I was. For the first two years at AU, I think I focused pretty much on the miler. And then we started realizing that I think my strength is past that. Um, like in the 5K, I always did really well at cross country. But I think I always fool people because, I mean, it, not necessarily now, but back in high school and college, I had like a hell of a kick. So I had so much leg speed that I think uh, people were really trying to get me into the mile. But I think that that kind of just translated better into a 5K for me. And uh, from there, when when was that? I mean, you were having success already at the end, during high school. Uh, was there a moment where you saw it? Hey, like I'm I'm right I'm, I'm right there to, to try to win the win the thing thing because like yeah, I think it's funny because. I have uh, I have a strange like unfound confidence. Or I don't know if it's unfound, but I don't know. I have a strange confidence about me that whenever I would lose a race, I always just thought like, well, they're not. They may have been better than me today, but I can get better and be that good too. So I feel like in high school, like I was never the best, but I knew if I just kept at it, like I would start, you know, just moving down the places and. Like, I feel like in college, it was like my secret sauce was just my consistency, but I just put in the miles. I never had any like big major setbacks. And I just, you know, kind of like Des says, I just kept showing up. And um, by my senior year in college, like I went from senior year in high school being ninth at the qualifying race to make it to nationals. And then my senior in college, I finished sixth overall in the nation. So I felt like I had like just really moved up and um, yeah, I was starting to get like real excited about my future in the sport. So besides like just overall confidence, is there anything that you picked up from like where you started in high school through college that really helped you like take it up a notch, we'll say, like, is, is there anything like in particular that you started doing or just, you know, kept with it and it just, you know, over time, obviously you, you just get better, but is there anything else that you added in to what you were already doing? Yeah, I did a lot more miles in college, but I was also really patient. So when I went in my freshman year for cross country, I had to take two days off a week, which was crazy because I wasn't taking days off in high school. But I was getting more mileage in high school, but then taking more recovery days to stay like healthy. So I think the big training factor was just the more mileage and then just the uh, the harder workouts. Um, uh, Matt Centrowitz was coaching Jen Rines at the time, and I remember her 
being at the track a couple days and just like kicking my butt through workouts but i'd have remember one workout my freshman year that i pr'd i think in the two mile and the mile during this workout from my high school times <laughs> so i knew i was getting fitter but then i think also with matt sensuitz he is the most motivating person in the world so his like pump up speeches and like just t- like if he told you to come into the office and close the door like you knew you were either gonna cry <laughs> Or just like be ready to kick down that door and just like send me out to take on the world. But he could, he could just know, he knew exactly what to say to motivate you. And just, he kept it like really simple. You know, it's like, it's not bigger than just got to work hard or run fast. So um, I think that his style and his training like approach just really helped me and really clicked with me. First All-American. Tell us about that. So that was um, first time All American. It was my sophomore year, cross country, and at, um, my team didn't qualify, but I was I think top four in the region for individuals, so I qualified. And the girl that won our region was a girl from um, Georgetown, so we got to nationals. And my coach just said, "Hey, that girl's better than you. Just run with run with her as long as you can." <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so I just went with her. And then finally, I was like, I think I can run faster than this and ended up passing her, I don't know, in the last half mile or so. Uh, but I ended up 16th. And that I think I surprised everyone. Like my coach was surprised. Like my family was surprised. I was a little surprised. I was not. I think top 35 was is for all Americans. So that was my goal was just to be top 35. And somehow I finished 16th. But so that was, that was pretty cool. That was a really cool. And it was a freezing day. I think it was in Iowa. And it was like zero degrees with wind chill. So like my coach was like looking around at what all the other people were doing. Cause like in college too, we didn't have like other uniforms. Like you have those little briefs and then that's really your only option. So like I'm in the little briefs and like my coach is seeing that other coaches are rubbing like Vaseline and olive oil all over other girls' legs and stuff just to keep them warm as like another layer. So he's like, hey, can we get some of that olive oil? And he's like, here, put this olive oil on yourself. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with olive oil? I've never done this. (laughs) <laughs> so do you olive oil? Do you use like anti-trace now, or do you just use olive oil? Do you go back to your roots? I know. I yeah. I just yeah. I'll, but it smells so good too. And it, it was just like it, it was delicious. I was like, I smell really good. I kind of want to take a bite of myself, but <laughs> uh, but it really helps. So if it's ever really cold and you're forced into where you're not able to wear as much clothing as you would like, just rub olive oil. Maybe there's better things. This is, was like a really long time ago. There's probably made inventions for that since, but. I, yeah, but I, any olive oil brands listening right now, if you need someone to sponsor, <laughs> you found your girl. <laughs> Not only will I rub it all over my body, I will cook with it, eat it. And yeah, yeah, there's a lot of uses for olive oil. <laughs> As a California boy that moved over to the Midwest, I really would have uh, appreciated the, the, that advice when I first moved to Ohio. It is cold. <laughs> it's really cold. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yes, yeah, so that was that was the first All-American. That was cool. So well, we'll fast forward because you got a couple more All-Americans out of there, but you got you got a sixth place. Uh, what do you say that was? Oh, was that one of your best races of your college career or? Or do we have another one that would have been better than that? I think that was one of my best. I think I can think of maybe two other ones that can kind of compete with that one. But that was uh, that was definitely my best. I had a little hiccup at the beginning of that season. And I um, there was a cross-country race at Penn State. 
and uh, I was kind of just coming back from just being sick and that race like Duke was there and I remember that there were six Duke girls that beat me <laughs> in that race and I remember finishing thinking like how because I, like, I had big goals to be you know one of the top in the nation I'm like man I would barely make it onto the Duke like varsity team right now how am I expecting to you know, just to compete on nationwide. And somehow I like just put my head down and just grinded it out. I did the most mileage of my life in a smart way. And then by nationals, I was six and actually only one Duke girl beat me that day. So, um, but that was, I felt like that was a big like improvement through the season is like barely being able to make it on that team and then actually being sixth in, uh, in the nation by the end of it. But yeah, I feel like that was just a collection of, um, just the consistency that I had in my training and I finally uh, just all clicked for me kind of like 2020 you know <laughs> it takes me a while to figure out how to click but when I click I can really click the first time around did you I mean did you know that you were gonna go professional early on or was that the goal from the very beginning of college or was it something that at a certain point you were like okay this is an option for me yeah I mean I think ever since I was like 14 like I just wanted to run and I wanted to run professionally and I don't think I really knew what that looked like and I didn't know what sort of opportunities or options but like I knew that I was in it for the long run with running and so right after college it was it wasn't even a question for me I just I knew my story wasn't done and I wanted to continue running so I joined a team called DC Elite um, headed by the coach Scott Roscoe who is my coach now I joined his team and, um, you know, it went well at first and then I started getting some professional injuries, but I never questioned that that was what I was like meant to do. Like, I just knew I was a runner and I had to see where it was going to take me. So in your first time out did end prematurely, did you, were you already having issues already with your foot out of college or was it just something that came up after and it just progressively got worse? Yeah, it came up after college. I started, um, and I'm not quite sure why. I think I started doing like more aggressive training, a lot more like speed stuff and strength stuff. And I started getting these perpetual stress fractures in my foot. Um, and at first I would kind of just let it heal and then get back and something else would break. So we finally figured out that it's called a tarsal coalition and I had to get surgery to completely fix that and at the time my insurance denied the surgery and said it was a pre-existing condition since I twisted my ankle in high school you know which it wasn't you know so that was kind of a bummer but um so that kind of it forced me out a little bit so I was like okay I'll just go into corporate America I'll get a great job with great insurance and I'll get it and I'll come back but it was such like a hard like year or two of the injuries and then get kind of feeling like pushed out that you know when I went and got a better job and then I eventually got that surgery I kind of wasn't ready to come back it was uh everything was really raw and I just kind of felt like you know what maybe that chapter in my life is over and uh so I just started focusing on like the other parts of me and just working I got married I moved around with my husband we had two kids so that just kind of just started moving forward. And I, I really honestly thought my running in that capacity was over. So I was just running for fun. So if anyone said, Hey, you want to go do a half marathon in Nashville? I think, yeah, I'll do a, I'll do a half marathon in Nashville. And I wouldn't train for it. I wouldn't do anything, but I just go and do it for the experience. And, uh, 
So it was about 10, 10 years of that. So I call it my elaborate halftime show. Just uh, <laughs> <laughs> do whatever I want. <laughs> but speaking of your husband, I, on one of the articles that I, that I read, it was like the most adorable uh, thing that he said. The first time he saw you was in like, like a Greek goddess. I was like, that is... I think he says of like speed or light and beauty. I can't, I can't quite remember it. Maybe it changes every time too, but it is, it's pretty funny. This may be, we may need more time to tell this whole story. This may be your whole podcast on its own. We'll get him some beers and get him to come and tell, but we've had quite the adventure. We, uh, he saw me for the first time at States in high school. He went to like, he lived in Richmond and I lived about two hours away. So at States we'd compete against each other. And um, so he saw me one year and he just thought I was a senior. And that's, I guess he like psyched himself out to not come and talk to me. But then the next year our moms met, they both, it was a year that Alan Webb was going after the state record, I think in Sports Illustrated came to the state meet. We're taking all these pictures. So my mom, his mom actually snuck in to like the media and like, it was like really official then that like, it was only like media allowed at this one section, but they both wanted to be like up front. And like his mom has like a legit camera. My mom probably had like a disposable camera and just wanted to get a front row seat. <laughs> but so they like kind of saw it in each other that they were like the only two moms in this like legit like media place. So they kind of became buddy buddy and my mom was like, who, you know, who are your kids? And Anthony is uh, a twin. So she, you know, she was saying, Oh, my, mine are the twins over there doing this. And then my mom was like, Oh, my daughter's over there. She's going to win. And then his mom was thinking, okay, I'm sure everyone thinks their daughter's going to win, but I did. I won the mile. <laughs> so they kind of became friends. And I remember after that meet, my mom saying, Oh, there's some really cute kids at Midlothian. You should, you should be friends with them. And I kind of just thought my mom was crazy. But then we met at a running camp camp that summer. And uh, that's when, like, our friendship began. But, yeah, it's a really, really long, funny story. So you'll have to get me and him on another time because I'm sure our versions are a little bit different than <laughs> the story. But it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. He's an knucklehead, and I love it. You, it sounds like both of you guys have the, the coolest moms ever to sneak in to watch this. That is so <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And you didn't. You didn't end up staying away too much from running. From when I saw you, you did take a marketing position at, at a local running running store in, in the area. How involved were you still in the running scene? Because were you involved pretty highly in the local running scene and just watching as a fan? Or did you still keep track of like people that were running professionally around you and keep track of that stuff too? Yeah, that's a really great question. And that was a really, so I was working in my, um, my IT job and Potomac River Running approached me and said, hey, do you want to come over and do our marketing? And I, I said, I'm like a math science, like I do IT stuff. And they're like, but you have the personality, like here's your chance to kind of get back into like the running world. So I thought about it. I'm like, heck yes, I want to be back in the running world. So I came over and transitioned with that. And I think that was a really important like phase for me for now because I just have such an appreciation of like every way that running can play in your life and all the different spectrums of running and how people enjoy running in such different ways and um yeah and I was just a big fan like I'd watch all the meets I I wouldn't I've never been like in like like a super fan I guess I would say like I wasn't following 
like all the little races, but any U.S. championship, like the major marathons and stuff like that, I was always watching and keeping up with that. Um, and it was really fun, but it, it was strange because like part of me, every time I'd watch something like that, it hurt a little bit that I, I felt like I never quite gave that a shot. And I, you know, there was just regret, I guess is the best way to say it. And then the other part of me was just so thrilled to be like sitting on my couch with a beer watching it. (laughs) So it's like, you know, I'm not out there sweating right now. This is actually pretty nice, but it it was an interesting, it was interesting. And it's kind of like confusing to go back and look about, because I was, you know, for a while, I just was cure the runner that wasn't running. So that was kind of like an awkward transition in my life, but, but I was always a fan. So say running is always like the most ultimate love hate relationship with like, <laughs> oh, I could be doing so much more, but oh, this couch is so comfortable. <laughs> and it, it always finds a way to sneak, sneak back into your life some way or another, whether you want it to or not. It's, it's always there. You are so, I couldn't have said it better. That is so, just like in the morning, you know, when you're sleeping in your bed, you're like, I should get up and run, but I am so comfortable right now. Why would I do that? Yeah, our heat went out yesterday, and like in the middle of the night, and I was like laying in bed this morning, and I was like, I gotta run 12 miles. I'm just gonna stay in bed. It's so warm under these covers. It's so cold out there. (laughs) So much easier to just stay in bed. So you were working at a running company, and then you were kind of being like a super fan. What was your trigger to like get back into running? What made you say, hey, I want to start running competitively again? I don't think I ever like consciously made that decision. Like, I feel like I kind of fell backwards into it. But after I had my daughter, Quinn, um, I like set all these like crazy weight gain records that most pregnant women do not set. Um, but after having Quinn, I was, I, we knew that that was our last child that we were going to have. And, uh, I decided that I kind of wanted to like get my body back. And so I started, walking a little bit and doing elliptical and I would start doing a little bit of running when she was in like a little like bouncer next to our treadmill. Um, and then I would go a little bit more and then a little bit more. And then, um, my husband deployed. And I think actually that may be the biggest factor because when he deployed, I was at home with a zero year old and a one year old. And that was just, that was really hard. <laughs> that was really, really tough. And, um, you know, I was lonely and I just felt like I, you know, just being like a new mom like that, just I, it was just a tough time. So I feel like I found running in that time to give me something that was mine, like a little bit of space to myself, like something that I controlled. And then um, I would get babysitters to come over and just let me go for a run. And if I was going to have a babysitter come over, like I wasn't just going to go for like 20 minutes. I'm, and I'm like, can you come over for two hours? They're like, well, you're going to run for two hours. I'm like, I'm going to try. That can be my time to myself today. So, um, so I think I just, running was something in my life for me. It was something that I enjoyed. It was like my fun me time. Um, and then I started putting goals in there just to make it even more fun. So actually I gave my husband a, uh, uh, for a Christmas gift, I gave him an entry to a marathon, which is like the worst and the best Christmas gift. It's such like a backhanded gift. Cause it's like, you know, I thought about you and I knew you kind of wanted to do a race, but now you have to train for a marathon, which if you're not like really wanting to do that, that kind of <laughs> sucks. 
but then I was like, I'll, I'll do it with you. So we kind of just started just training together a little bit. And, um, yeah, I jumped in and found a lot of joy in that race. So I wanted to do it again. And, uh, the second time, the second marathon I did after kids, I tried to break three hours and ran 247. And that was like the race that kind of the light bulb went off for me. Like when I realized I was two minutes away from qualifying for the Olympic trials, like I was like, well, I kind of got to go for it now, right? Like how can I, I mean, wouldn't that be cool if this like bomb realtor could qualify for the trials? So that was like when everything became a little more intentional for me. But, um, but that was really at that time, like that was really my own goal, only goal, like just try to qualify for the trials. And then once I qualified, it was like, well, if I'm going to be there, like I really got to show up to play. You know? <laughs> and then that happened. And then coming off of, you know, everything else past then, I just feel like the goals just kept getting a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. So, so, so how, how surprised were you then? Because you, you talked about just, you know, hoping to break three minutes. And then obviously you run almost, almost 15 minutes faster than that, which is impressive in a in a marathon i mean that's a ton of time so like how like what was the reaction to that i was so surprised i was so surprised but it also like the it was such a magical race and with marathons i've had so many that are not and i'd say a majority of my marathons are not magical i feel like i've only run two marathons that i've felt like magic in so usually you get to a point where you're like oh man that's the wall i gotta work through this and in that race and the marathon project like i never found the wall and in those races like oh my gosh it just yeah you feel like a magician so i finished and just thought like i may never experience another race that feels that magical you know so that's a little depressing but then it was just so exciting that like I felt like I didn't even train intentionally for that. And I feel like if I got a little more structured, if I brought a coach in, if I started really like just like tightening up and becoming more intentional with my training, I just knew a lot more can happen. But yeah, I was definitely surprised that day. <laughs> and so was my husband. He thought I was going to drop out of that race. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't mean to bring up tough races, but funny enough, um, just from seeing, seeing some of the stuff on there, Boston 2018. Um, to be honest, nobody really ran well that day. Uh, it, it wasn't a fast day, and it was also a very dangerous day. Uh, but so just to give you, I guess, some some story with us, like both I took a two-year hiatus out of from college, and I've now started my journey back to running and trying to qualify for the trials myself after not doing much in college or even high school. Uh, Brent's taken about five years off of running from college um, and we're both teammates and he's coming back into running himself and finding that journey. Um, Boston, from from seeing what you were talking about with Boston, that was that moment where, was that when you reached back out to, uh, to Roscoe? Yeah, it was um, right before Boston where he started helping me a little bit but I was kind of piecemealing, like I was taking, like taking his advice kind of, and then doing whatever I wanted. But I was so like worried then that like, I wanted this to be fun. Like I needed running in my life so desperately for like just mental health and just physical well being that I was so afraid to put structure around it or any like goals because I needed running for my sanity. <laughs> so like, but when Boston happened, I felt like I just, like really got my uh my butt handed to me in that race more so from the elements 
but um I reached out to him and I was like okay I want to go all in now like it it sucks like kind of coming up short you know I don't want to fail and I know you know the path and I know I think I'm actually going to have more fun if I'm winning and things are going well and so I kind of uh made an agreement with him after the race and I'm like I will listen to most everything you say now he's like most everything you got to be like all in (laughs) okay I will listen to like 99% and he's like Kira come on it has to be 100 I'm like okay 99.9% give me like the occasional moment (laughs) to go rogue and do something on my own but and from your experience being away from the sport so much it's something that I think both myself and Brent have experienced being away from it, um, you ran at a higher level basically from the very beginning. Um, involved in basically every race is you're running to win, or you're running to be at the like being run. You're you're running to be competitive. How was it to come back to the sport again? Um, was that pressure still there? Was that competitiveness? competitiveness to that level still with yourself or was it a little bit more of like, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, I think it was, I'm just happy to be here, but I started getting emotional when you just were asking me that question because like, I think during my like halftime show, like somewhere in there, I like forgave myself and I was okay that I didn't hit those goals the first time. So I start like in that, I know that sounds kind of silly, but like, it was like, like I said, I was kind of watching that with regret. Well, somewhere along the line, I told myself like, Kira, you did awesome. Like you ended in a great way. Like, just be really proud of what you did. And it's okay that you didn't reach all your goals. And I was like really content at, at that time with running. And I think, I think that's important for like when I came back now is because when I first came back, like I had erased all of those PRs. Like I was no longer that runner. Like I was starting fresh. And like, I remember I did, I think a few, like three or four months after my daughter was born, I did a 5k and I broke 30 and I celebrated like I won the Olympic trials. Like I was thrilled that I broke 30 in a 5k and like, and I was so like along the way I was celebrating the wins. Like those were PRs, you know, because I feel like a week or two before that, I tried to do a 5K on the treadmill and I ran like 30.01. And that was me trying to go as sprint as fast as I So it's like, so the whole time I was just celebrating the, the, the progress and like the little victories. And I was really just, just loving the process. You know, I started really focusing on the day-to-day and the grind and the minor improvements. And, um, and I wasn't at first comparing myself to Kira of, in you know, college Kira or Kira in her 20s. Like, it really was, like, a new story for me. Um, and now, and then when I started beating <laughs> college Kira, that's when I started comparing myself. When I started beating that girl, then it was like, okay, now, now I'm going <laughs> to compete against her. But it really, you know, it is, like, a really funny thing, picking it back up, you know, putting some space away and picking it back up. And you really do have to kind of give yourself some credit that, like, it's okay if you never get there again, or, you know, if you're patient, you can. And I believe both of you will, you know, kick your, you know, your college selves too, just like I did. But, you know, it takes a little time and, be, you know, celebrate those victories and every step forward is progress. And, uh, but I think that's really cool. And I have to say, like, my crazy story, I get really emotional just hearing when you guys said you guys were giving it another shot. Like, if anything in my story like gave you guys some encouragement or just inspiration or just some fire 
to get back at it. Like I feel so incredibly like blessed and proud. Like, and I'm so excited to hear and to see where you guys uh, go in your journeys too. It's been, it's been super exciting. I would say it's, uh, it's, I mean, I, I PR for the first time in the 5k, 10k and, and even in the 8k in like eight years. And it's like the coolest experience. Dude. And then you have, I mean, there's, there's, there's a, there's this couple things with COVID that did bring out some cool things for people. And it was a lot of my old teammates that have given up running like, like almost now a decade now, um, and they're getting back into running again. And so hearing your story and, and hearing how you came back to it, um, I, I think outside of how fast you've run, I think your story about being able to take your time to come back into it and also just... I mean, you're running at the highest level once and you've come back and you're running at a higher level again, which is <laughs> insane. Uh, and so, I, I mean, what would you tell that person that that's, I mean, I think a lot of us as runners, we're always very stubborn. <laughs> and so it's hard to compare ourselves to going back to that time where we were hitting workouts so much faster. Now we're even struggling to run our even easy paces that we were in college. Yeah, I think... I mean, I hate giving this advice. I feel like this is the best advice, but I hate giving this because this is not part of my personality. But the biggest advice I can give is just be patient. You know, nothing happens overnight. And I, I hate saying that because I'm not a patient person and I want everything to happen right now. Like if I like, just let me go run a hundred miles and be there, you know? But, <laughs> um, so I think just patience give yourself a little bit of break. Like there's going to be the days, like you said last week, Brent, I can't tell you how many workouts I've done, especially in the last couple of years where I've gone to the track and I've started, haven't been able to hit my times or I just don't feel it. And I just walk home and just, you suck it up and you learn what you got to learn, take a day off, make sure you get back and then you try again the next day, you know? So I've had so many of days too, but so just, I don't know, just be patient, I guess. But I hate giving that advice because that's, it's not like sexy advice at all. You know, it's not that fun, like fun advice you want to hear, but I just think patience right now, it's a long game. Yeah. And I was going to say, I think, I think two things that you said really resonate with me. And I think young people in running and people coming back into it, like myself and Chris and, and like how you did really need to, take take that advice is, is to celebrate your small victories you're not going to be as fast as you were when you first started and you're not going to be as fast as you want to be immediately so it doesn't matter if it's a two second pr in the 5k or you know if you're lucky enough to hit chunks of time off like you celebrate it you're getting better you're, you're moving in the right direction and then again with like the bad workouts and stuff um i've, I've always tried to shrug them off quickly learn what you can from them, but you can't, uh, you can't dwell on bad workouts, bad races, anything like that. Cause that's the easiest way to derail everything. Negativity seeps in so quick and so easily. And if you let it seep in and don't cut it off, it's, it's going to ruin, it's going to ruin you. I've, I've seen too many guys and girls that I've run with just never get to where they should have been because they let their bad attitude derail their entire career. And it's, it's always sad to see that. Yeah, yeah, you're spot on. Yeah, I I find the patience thing really resonates with me, even though you hated saying it. <laughs> I feel like uh, I, you see too many people that just like try to go in and rip rip every workout. Like I I had this problem last year with COVID. 
in 2019 I ran four marathons in a year which is not smart I don't recommend it for anyone ever but like then I took some I took a couple months off of running and then coming back I, I managed to run a lifetime PR in a 5k and then I started after that I thought it would be a great idea to just like run I ran like a 17 20 and I started you know ripping every workout like I was going to run a sub 16 the next day like that's just not going to happen so I think that the whole patience thing so many people need to hear that including myself <laughs> even if it's not the greatest sexiest thing I mean I, I saw something online the other day that said like if if you want to get really fast like you just have to acknowledge where you are or else it's going to take so much longer to get there yeah that's that's really good and I think just like spot on kind of echoing what you said too Brent is that like find a way to make it fun too right like it's all about that attitude and I think that I've taken a lot of the pressure off on this round whereas I my whole world was running and I felt so much pressure the first round and this time I'm kind of like let's see what happens let's roll the dice and let's go for it you know and I found ways to keep it really lighthearted and really fun which I think is I don't think that works for everyone, but I feel like with my personality, it's really worked for me. So I worked hard on making sure to make sure that I'm having fun and that it is lighthearted and that like, and it makes it easier then to kind of brush things off when they don't go your way. Cause it just doesn't feel as serious then. So, and also I kind of feel like I'm in my bonus round right now, you know, so it's like, I don't know how I just got this shot to do this, but I am going to, you know, I'm going to go for it and we'll see what happens. It's funny. I, I made the joke on our run today and I said, uh, they're like, uh, well, how do you feel about this weekend's race? And I'm like, honestly, I'm playing with house money. Like this is just, <laughs> this is just fun. And, and it's, it's been really refreshing to, to see your story through it. Just even like the rupier floats, which you gotta tell, you gotta, you gotta tell the people on the podcast, the rupier float story. This is so funny. So when I first started, I had been running probably for, I want to say about like a year after having Quinn. So I had done, I don't know if I'd done a marathon. I think I had already done one marathon. So this was, yeah, I'd already done one marathon, the one that I gave as a joke gift to my husband. So that summer I was like in a really just big root beer float phase, like a really big. And so I was eating it a little bit too much. And then I decided, well, why don't I just use it as like rewards? So if I run 10 miles in one day, that can be two five mile runs or 10 mile runs. So if I just at least run 10 miles, I look like a root beer float at the end of the day. And I was really, really into root beer float. So I just started running 10 miles every day. <laughs> Turns out if you do that, you like, you get pretty fast, you know? So, uh, I, but see, I wasn't doing like the intensity wasn't there. So it wasn't any sort of crazy training, but I was trying to run 10 miles every day to get that root beer float every night. So I was running 10 miles a day and drinking root beer floats every night. And, uh, yeah, like we got pretty good base training for uh, getting into marathons. So that, that was like my training plan for when I ran the 247 um, was the root beer float. I call it my root beer float training plan. The people want to know what kind of what's what's what kind of a brand of root beer are we talking about? So I was using the A&W, A&W root beer, and... I would alternate the ice cream though. So I actually, this is going to sound a little funky, a little unconditional, a little untraditional. I would use cookie dough Breyers ice cream in the root beer. So, but the cookie, the, <laughs> the cookie dough, once 
that it was in the root beer for a while would kind of fall and go to the bottom. So it would be like a couple rounds of dessert, kind of like in office when Pam has second drink. <laughs> I would get I'd get to like eat my ice cream, then I'd get to drink the root beer, and then at the bottom I'd have like third dessert, all the little cookie dough bites that would fall. So that was that's like my ultimate. This has changed the game. Before. There's so many layers of this flow. I'm so into this. Do you see why I was running 10 miles every day to get to this root beer float every oh, night? Oh, yeah. I thought Wyatt's subway thing was great. This is this is next level. What's Wyatt's subway thing? We had... So, we had Wyatt Baxter on the podcast um, a, a couple uh, elite files ago, and he was a subway athlete of the week, so... I was like, "Hey, what's your uh, what's your subway sub?" Yeah, <laughs> he, he gave us a subway sub. Um, Chris, you you can speak to it better than I can because you you've ordered it, right? Not yet. I'm working on it. He essentially made a pizza out of a subway sub, and he's like, wow. he's like, and they're gonna want to toast it. Wait up! And it's like he did a whole like. Like he's practiced this like four times. I'm gonna, have to go, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that. That sounds delicious. Yeah. But he, he was like, he he said something like, "They're gonna ask if you want to toast it. You tell them not yet." <laughs> yeah, he was he was like aggressive and matter of fact with it, like not yet. You get there, you you wait till I'm ready for you to toast. It. <laughs> like you start so drinking the root beer float, you get halfway through, you don't finish it yet. You gotta wait for the cookie dough to fall out. <laughs> you gotta wait. You gotta slow your roll a little bit uh, so the cookie dough has time to float to the bottom. <laughs> to the bottom I guess. Yeah. I, I must say that sounds like a bomb ass root beer float. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were invited over for dinner or dessert or whatever you want at my house. Root beer floats. <laughs> yeah, can I invite myself for this? I want one of these floats. Yes, everyone's invited. Everyone's invited. Come on over. And we do it like I have like uh, they're like beer mugs. You know the official beer mugs. Oh. Oh, like nice. Animal. That's what, that's the cup for the root beer. These are mine. I mean, if you I get might, nothing else out of this podcast, like the root beer float. Yeah, yeah, I make one after this podcast. Oh. Man, I, I might do it. I might do a beer float after this. <laughs> my <laughs> thing is, my thing is that you get a barley one, you get yourself a Wendy's Frosty vanilla, not, not chocolate, vanilla, small Wendy's Frosty in a large cup. Put that in there, fits right inside. It's great. Wow, that's good. Let's try that one too. So speaking of beer, just to uh, talk about it, I opened up another beer. It's Maron Acidife. It's uh, the brewery's collaboration series with Cigar City Brewing. This is a beer from 2012, I believe. It is a sour brown ale aged in oak barrels. It's pretty oxidized at this point. It's a it's a little bit on the older side. I'm a big fan of finding some of these older beers. I love. I'm a big marketing nerd, so these labels. Or what attracted me in the beer so yeah super pumped I about love, that fun fact i used to live a couple miles from cigar city brewery in tampa florida so we went and we did a tour of it and it was yeah that was really that was really awesome oh i forgot you were in tampa for a little bit that's yeah oh, that's awesome you were, what you you probably were there during like peak time when they were pretty pretty like like doing some of the more groundbreaking stuff in the beer community too yeah, yeah, they were awesome. We were there, um, I think, 2013 to 2016. But, yeah, that was awesome. I'm going to open up another one, too. We're going to go for... Uh, what is this script? One? The script, yeah. We're going to do this one. I got my little uh, Boston opener, too, from when my husband did it in 20... Or, no, this is when I did it. It's from 2018. Perfect. Ooh. 
drink right from the bottle too are you not supposed to do that you're, i saw your fancy cup with uh with this but we're gonna go right for it there we go cheers <laughs> you gotta live your life in a way that makes you happy and if that's from the bottle <laughs> that's excellent <laughs> that's awesome so that's awesome when when uh <laughs> I, I, that's one thing that was like, again, I, I can say it again. It's, it's super refreshing to, to hear an attitude from somebody running at that high level. Do you think that, and it's also like, I, I think you're seeing it more and more. Um, I think you traditionally see this more with the Japanese where they do have full-time jobs and they do have that kind of like, I wouldn't say work-life balance cause they, they like, it's, it's a little bit different there, but um, it, it's something that do, I do think that, does tend to not attract people to keep running later into their 20s and early 30s when they do have a career. Uh, do you think that's actually helped you have a pretty healthy relationship with running and, and competing at this level, is having that balance? Yeah, I definitely think it has. And I think kind of like we talked about before, having a career, which is my source of income and how I provide for my family, it takes the pressure off of running, right? So if I want to run great or if I don't, there's no sort of financial pressure on running. Um, so I think that that helps a little bit. Uh, but then also, like, I found I can be kind of anxious. <laughs> so it's nice when I have, like, a big race coming up to have distractions like real estate that I need to focus on. I need to make sure I'm getting all of that uh, done before. So I, I find for what it, Ever, and I'm also just kind of like a busybody of a person. Like I like being busy and having a lot going on. So I feel like I function well with all of that. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a little it's a little crazy too. But I think, but it just helps me keep running in its place, right? It's my fun thing that I, it's a gift to do, and I really enjoy when I get a chance to do it. But, uh, but yeah, what would you guys say about that? You guys are I'm sure balancing a lot too. I I think it's. The only reason that I'm still doing this is it's the running's still fun. Um, when I did the second try around, I basically said this is going to be, um, this is going to be as I'm, I'm only going to do this as long as it's still it's still fun. And then my coach is the same way. Um, he he lives up in Ann Arbor. Um, he said Zach Ornelas, and he's been he's a teacher. He does he's done pretty well for himself too. He's trying to run two fourteen this year, and he's still like it's still fun for him. And he understands that hey, we have a career and this should like this running thing is like for us, we're not pro we're not professional runners. So it's having that balance of being able to enjoy this still. And even with the people that I'm running with, I'm running with a lot of people from just out of college that do have that super intense mindset. And I'm like, dude, I'm just, I'm just having fun with this. <laughs> I get in the line and it's like, are you scared? And I'm like, yeah, we, cause we care about this. We still, I guess we still give a shit about this, but like it's, I'm not going to, it's not like when I was in early college or, or even like where if I had a bad race and ruined my weekend, oh, bad race. Yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> I still have a career and I still have a livelihood. It's still good. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm not worried too much anymore. Okay, I mean, I, I like didn't start running again until after college. I chose soccer over running in college. So it was like, I didn't have that pressure. Like the pressure was more on the soccer field. And then when I, I, I eventually quit being a student athlete to just focus on school and then, you know, grad school came and running became more of a therapeutic thing. And I think that there's something to be said, like when you actually have a career, when you're in school, when you're 
like actually working and, you know, trying to provide for your family in a way that's not just crushing records and, you know, winning races, it, it becomes more of like a therapeutic thing. And like Chris was saying, and like you were saying, like you have fun, you have more fun with it. Like you have a frustrating day at work and you know that there's a run waiting for you at the end. It's not like a, well, that is my frustrating day at work. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a little bit, I feel like it can be healthy. Um, when you're not putting as much pressure on yourself. Yeah, and, and for me, um, a shitty job is actually kind of why I fell out of running after college. Um, I, I got a job right out of college that it wasn't bad to start, but like four or five months in, it, it was really uh, taking its toll on me. And because I was like, I, I hated it so much, I just didn't want to do anything after work. And so that kind of killed running for me for like a year. And then um, once I got a different job, I just kind of like dipped my toes back in and never really took it serious again. And then now once COVID hit, there wasn't anything else to do after work besides sit at home, <laughs> couldn't go out, couldn't do things. So like running was the way to get out. So it, it made it easier to actually take it serious again. Um, and, and for me, I mean, I've, I've been around running my entire life. Uh, I've, I've told it on the podcast before, but uh, my, my dad coached cross-country and track, still does. Um, so I, I've been around it my whole life. So running has been a big, big part of my life. So it'll, it'll never go away. It'll just be a matter of how serious I take it at any given time. And there's a Virginia connection, too, for you, too. Yeah. Um, so my, I, I don't know, uh, but my, my cousin is Drew Hunter. So. Oh, that yeah. is so funny. Okay, now I'm seeing the last name. That's really funny because Drew Hunter's parents, so I guess your aunt and uncle. My, yeah, my uncle Mark. Because they Angel. coached Alan Webb at they, South Lakes. Yeah, his, I believe his freshman year, my uncle Mark coached Alan Webb, yes. Yeah, that's so funny. And then I know Alan has like reached out to Drew a little bit. It's funny how like small the running world is. That's yeah, I think, uh, I think the year Drew won nationals, I think Alan Webb was the coach for his region. Yeah. Or something along those lines. But yeah, I, I know they had... They had a bit of a relationship for a while. I, I don't know if they still do or not. I I don't actually, surprisingly enough, I don't talk to Drew about running all that much. I figure he, he gets enough running all the time that I just try to let him be normal when, he, when he's <laughs> around. I don't see him all that often, or, but except like holidays and stuff. But I don't, I don't try to pester him with running questions because I'm sure everyone else does all the time. <laughs> Yeah. But it's also what he knows, you know, so I'm sure he does yeah. that. I mean, I'm sure he knows a lot of other things, too, but um, I'm sure he appreciates that also. That's so funny. I love just hearing, like, everyone's why, you know, and that's what I love so much about running is that your why can change over time, and you can always be a runner, right, no matter if you're running a lot or you're not. Like, you still be, like, a runner in your heart, but, it, you know, your why can evolve and can change and serve different purposes for you. I was like, that's always something that I've, I've found nice about running too, is you can take it as seriously as you want. Running for one person might mean I'm just going to go out and jog for 15 minutes and I have no intentions of ever racing or whatever, but I just enjoy going for a, a short jog. But you also have people that, you know, pro level athletes who are taking it as seriously as they can. That's their living. Um, and there's everything in between. So with, with other sports, I don't think you necessarily have that as much as, as you would in, in the running world. I absolutely agree with you, yeah. Especially with the advent of Strava now, being able to see people running and seeing 
people that I just that were friends in college that didn't even run. They've never run before, and they took up running because of they had nothing to do during COVID, and seeing them now loving running and and chasing these little like these these little steps forward, and I find myself cheering. It's it's <laughs> you ran ten minutes today. That's awesome. Like that's a big accomplishment for you, and you're moving forward and you're enjoying this, and it's it's. I don't know. It it brings. I, I think if I find it pretty humbling and and, and seeing how like, because for a lot of people, the, I think for people that join it now or join it late, they're just like, oh, you've always been fast. Like, no, there's been years of years of working to be at the point. <laughs> and so, like, seeing other people go through, it, it's like I remember. Like, it reminds you, like, you never, you weren't always at that level, and it's. It's nice to see, and it, it's a it's a very it's a very gentle reminder of like, yeah, it's a it, it's really just running's a humbling humbling sport. <laughs> yeah, I love social media for that reason too. Like you can just like creep on people's runs, and you can like see their pictures of themselves running, and it's like I get that it can be toxic place, but I think it's so much fun to watch other people and enjoying running and getting outside. Especially on Earth Day. Count it. Yeah, yeah. Happy Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. I should have worn an Earth shirt. I'm wearing a Michael Scott shirt. I mean, I guess Michael Scott is a an Earth friendly person. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm sure you've been you've been asked these questions as far as like I, I'm gonna call it I mean I'm gonna even call it a year, Kira. Like this is <laughs> This is if there's anybody that really would like sh- like shined last year and really broke out, it was you. Uh, if you're looking at just how the entire year went, that was like if I, if I'm looking at it, just say like, that's 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 run. It's like who's showing up more consistent? Like it was breakthrough breakthrough performance. I'm like, what is going? Like who? What? Is-? It's like wait, she has been running for how long? What's going on here? Uh, so. We have some fun. I, I, I really want to focus on two two events here, or I guess three events here. First event, you did a um, it's it's my favorite name for a race ever. The the updog ten mile. <laughs> What's updog? <laughs> None dog with some of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's not that old. That's no. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, it turns out when you make your own race, you get to name it whatever you want, and that's what I felt like naming it: the Updog Ten Miler. <laughs> the logo is great, by the way. I did, I, like I looked it closely. I'm like, oh, that's a dog. I was like, the, the triangle. Right. I was like, what is? Oh, it's a dog. It's funny because uh, one of my friends, she's a graphic designer. So I said, I sent her a message, and I was like, so it's Updog race i need a logo i'm like really into like oh how did i say it um like geometric shapes like i'm thinking like a geometric and like i don't like um logos with like you know those little runner people in it so i was like no runner people geometric and up dog go she came up with that i'm like you nailed it so good you nailed it that is so awesome i was like it's a dog of floppy ears (laughs) oh yeah that's pretty cool so one of the questions that we received was actually, um, where where do you find it? Well, first, you did you held the finishing tape for the last record holder in this. 
how did he go about thinking, hey, this is, uh, let, I, I got a shot at this. And two, what, where do you find a determination? Or I mean, where, what mentally goes into the preparation for breaking an American record? So, yeah, that's a really thoughtful question. So back, I want to say it was 2014, I was pregnant with my first child, and I'm on the, the Credit Union Cherry Blossom 10-mile run committee. And somehow, like, I weaseled my way down to the finish line because I think I had an all-access pass because I think I was probably DJing or something. And so I had an all-access pass. So I weaseled my way down to the finish line. They're like, oh, we need someone to hold the banner. I'm like, I'll do it. And, like, I felt like... The day that Janet got that record, like, it was such a big day for me, <laughs> you know? Like, I was so proud of her and so impressed, but I, like, I couldn't believe I was that close to an American record, and all I did was hold the banner while she, you know, she went and blazed and broke it. It was so cool to see up front, and, um, yeah, and I just, I remember just thinking, this is the closest I'm ever going to be to an American record. That's really cool. And so kind of fast forwarding to this year, um, one of my roles on the committee is I organized the clinic speakers. So we had Molly Huddle that was going to come and speak this year in 2020. Unfortunately, it was canceled. But um, the, the race director asked me to remind her and her agent, Ray Flynn, that like what the record is. Cause if they break the American record, there's a big bonus. And uh, so I sent that to her and then I was doing the math and then I started thinking like, Hey, I think I can run this time. Like I had done a couple like really good tempos and my mile repeats were like at that point, I think under five minutes per like mile for mile repeat. So I was thinking like, I think I'm in really good shape to do this. So when everything shut down and there were no races, it just seemed like the time for me to like, when I kind of did the 1504 time trial, like that's when I was like, wait, I can just do a time trial and I'll go after it. So then I started researching like what I need to do to like get an official race. So I reached out to the, the credit union cherry blossom folks and just asked if they wanted to help. And they wrote back, like, I think before I even pressed it, they wrote back, like, absolutely we're in. So that was really cool to have their help. Um, but it is like, it's a big, like mental, it's a big mental game. Cause like showing up that day, knowing there were so many people there to watch people attempt a record is like, that's a lot of pressure. And then the fact that I was telling people about it beforehand and most of the people were like, wait, who, like, who is that? Like, and she's doing what she's trying. So I definitely felt like a little silly cause I didn't see too many other people at the time saying, like, I'm going to go for American record. I'm going to put together my own race and do this. So I felt definitely like a little, I don't know, just a little silly. But um, but I just, I gained a lot of confidence. So back to the question about how do you mentally prepare. I think for my workouts, I was starting to get a, little co- a lot of confidence from the races that I had done. From that half marathon, I went through the 10 mile. I think it was like less than 20 or 30 seconds from that record time. So in that half marathon, I knew during that race, I was like, I know I can hit that record because I feel so comfortable right now going through it, you know, 20 or 30 seconds slower than that pace. And I still am going to run another five minutes <laughs> after that. So, um, so it was like a series of things that kind of built up my confidence, but I, yeah, I gained, gained a lot of confidence from just racing and from the training, but yeah, it takes like, it takes a little bit of a crazy person to think like, <laughs> think they can do something like that no one has ever run that fast in a woman's only race before i think i can and uh, (laughs) And it's been a little bit of a wild thing for a lot of people because 
I mean, for a lot of people coming, I mean, there's a shortened 2020 season. The Olympic trials was the only thing. And as we've come to find out, your Olympic trials performance wasn't anywhere close to your potential. And for a lot of people before that too, they didn't run to the potential they had, or they've never had this much time of just being able to stay healthy for that long and get a good training. So, I mean, when you get that much time period of running and you run solo from, from what I've been, been seeing, um, it's, it has to be something like, like that. Does that bring confidence in being able to, in running solo and saying, you know, um, and, and it maybe just like not having that spotlight on you, does that help too? Yeah, I think it does because um, no one was expecting anything from me and that I felt kind of like a freedom for that. But I do appreciate the fact that I have, I mean, I work out now sometimes with a guy named Silas France, but, um, but for a long time I was working out by myself and that gave me a lot of confidence with, that when I'm in a race position, if it turns out I'm by myself, that's fine. I'm used to that, you know. Um, and now I'm starting to work out with him a lot more. So I feel a little bit more comfortable now running the packs or running with groups or, you know, trying to pace off somebody. Um, but I definitely like, I, there is a certain like grittiness and grind to finishing workouts all by yourself. That you just feel really proud. Like I got through that by myself. I nailed that. I surpassed that, whatever. It, it really, it really helped my confidence a lot. And, uh, and I kind of wasn't afraid of anything too, because like I've, I've gotten here by myself. I've kind of, I feel like I took kind of a gritty route, but um, I'm proud of that. And I would say that for for a lot of us, it's I think it's it's very hard to be able to relate to any kind of professional runner. Um, but I would say like hearing your story does help a lot of us and say, hey, we can we can grind it out and we can build like break our own like records. It's all relative, of course, but it's like. It, it's really inspiring to have to see that it's it it's not pretty sometimes not running alone isn't pretty all the time but like it, it's it, it's really cool to see i was gonna say uh most of the most of the stuff i do now is is by myself i don't think i've actually run with another person in in like over a year and a half but when you're talking about like finishing a workout by yourself and just feeling good i i found myself a couple times like finishing workouts at like the end of my driveway is where i start a couple of my loops and like fist pumping as i finish it like being excited about my workout and i'm just thinking like my neighbors see this kid running or this guy running in his neighborhood and just fist pumping in front of his driveway like what is what is he doing I just imagine imagine, imagine a neighbor's like Kara, this this uh this 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 hunter kid he keeps on patting himself on the back. He's <laughs> got this rocky thing going on. Just like, yeah, it appears he is he's, raising he's, said roof. Just punching the air right now. I don't know what he's doing. Like you get a little crazy too when you're like in your mind by yourself getting through those workouts. Like birds will fly fly by and like I'll get pumped up. I'm like, yeah, you're seeing this bird, you know. <laughs> like I, it's uh it's funny where you go in your mind by yourself, but it's it's a it's a cool place to be. So yeah, I have this like favorite tree that I like every single time I see that tree I know that the workout's basically over. Cause like I usually do it on the trail, like by my house. I see the tree. I'm like, tree, I love you. <laughs> We're home. We're home. I'm 
<laughs> so there was two breakthroughs I would say that happened uh, for the marathon distance. And I would say, I mean, you saw Sarah Hall run ridiculously fast, but uh, number seven all time. <laughs> number seven all time. It's hilarious. Like, it's so, like, so right now when you say that, my first reaction is to laugh because that's ridiculous. But then my second reaction is, like, seventh isn't good enough, you know? So it's it's so crazy how my brain is working that it's, like, it's really funny. And I see the humor in that. That's hilarious. But then also, like, I'm going to move down that list. Oh, yeah, you are. That's a, and that's, that's, that's a love-hate relationship coming back like i'm so excited i did that but oh my god that makes me so mad i'm not higher up that list exactly it and that was that was one thing that i heard i don't know if it was with 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 chavez or was it um was on the the fast i think it was a fast woman podcast where you were like it's weird to say like you finish a race like i think you were talking about the olympic trials where where it's like you finish a race and you pr but you're not happy about that pr and Mm -hmm. And that's something that I'm facing right now in my own my own life. I'm being ring, but I'm like, this wasn't great. I'm like, I know we can run faster. So like hearing that from your end, it's like, all right, it's game on. <laughs> you know, and I think it's like, I think that's what makes us all like, just, you know, keep at it. You know, it's like that personality trait that as soon as you hit that goal, it's not good enough. You know, like if you would have told me like four years ago, I'd run 222 someday, like, holy cow. Like I would like, first off, I wouldn't believe you if that was four years ago, but then like, oh my, like I would have been doing like the happy dance or some sort of victory, like NFL victory dance. How many rupee floats am I going to get for this? <laughs> oh my gosh, like a million. Yeah, we had to run again, but now like hitting it, now it's like, it's, it doesn't have that same, you know, all of a sudden I've minimized it in my head and it's on to the next thing, you know, but, um, but yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's pretty cool for now. So there's, I mean, there's diminishing returns, of course, when you're getting faster and faster and when you're at that level where you're the seventh all time in, in American history, uh, there's a lot of admission returns there. You went from 234, which is a competitive women's marathon. I mean, you're 11 minutes under the standard at that point to 222. During a race like that, when you're having such a big breakthrough, at what point do you realize this is going to, this is a day. I mean, that's something I've always wondered. Like that's something that's always something that, when an athlete hits that 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 real uh, that home run in any sort of like how do they feel when it's happening and thankfully with the marathon it's such a long distance that you have a lot of feeling through it so how was it for you it felt really good while it was happening but i also like i was i've like a marathon has beat me more than times that i've beat it so like until you finish you don't actually know if you've like mastered it that day you know so it was a six loop course so i every loop i'd say like five laps to go four laps to go three laps to go i'm sure like ben bruce was with me for all of them i'm sure he's like yep we got it okay <laughs> yep. but it was just like my way of like keeping it fun for some reason but um i think with somewhere around like 18 or 20 miles um i remember asking Ben, who, quick shout out to Ben Bruce, is like 
the most phenomenal pacer. Holy cow. Like our 5K splits did very more than a few seconds. Like he was so good and so smooth and so like spot on. Like I couldn't have asked for like a better pacer that day. And he's but predominantly a steeplechase. So he was a steeplechaser, like a pretty dude. damn good steeplechaser too. Yeah. So he would yeah. knock out, and he's he's now retired from competitive running. So to be able to knock out like that, that's that's impressive. It was incredible, but yeah, somewhere I think between I want to say it was around twenty miles. I said because I didn't like. I mean, this like elite running scene is kind of is kind of new for me, so I don't really know like all the pacers' duties. And since I was the only one left with him, I was like, "Well, I started asking like, hey, do you think we can like pick it up?'" And he's like, "Wait, you want to go faster?" And I'm like, "Well, it's two twenty three, not like a lot faster, but just like a little faster." But I didn't know like our pacers a lot. Like, it, could I ask that of a pacer? Yeah. I just didn't even know. So he's like, "Well, okay." So he like picked it up a little bit. Um, and then we were cruising, but I think it, when we went around the U-turn for the last time, I was probably about a mile and a half left. That's when I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I got this. You know, that's when I started feeling like confident because I knew, because then I started picking it up even more and I had even more to close it in. And I think my last mile was maybe my fastest. So, um, so just knowing that there's more in the tank and I could pick it up for that last mile and a half, but I actually like. This is probably too much information. I probably should keep my mouth shut, but I've been drinking a couple, couple <laughs> uh, beers here. But the, uh, I met the guy who designed the course like a couple of days before, and I was asking him just because I was curious about the course process, about how you measure a course in the desert because there's literally no landmarks. Mm -hmm. So he told me that there were um, light poles, and they were about like 50 meters apart. And so you're doing so many U-turns that I could tell exactly how far Kellen Taylor and Sarah Paul were in front of me. So I could see, I was counting the light poles when I'd see them. So I knew I was catching Kellen. And in the last lap I was catching, I was counting the light poles. And I was like, oh, I'm catching Sarah. And then like when I got to the last U-turn and I counted the light poles and there was just way too much distance for me to make up in the last like mile and a half. But even like I said something to Ben, I was like, ooh, I think she's, I think she's gonna win this. And he like he probably looked at me like you actually thought you might. Have <laughs> you give me one more loop, one more loop. Just one more loop, one more loop. But um, but I so I knew then that I was going to be second. But like I was running in that last loop. I wish I maybe had gone, tried to go. You know, easier said. You know, easier yeah. said now than done. But uh, but I was I was slowly. I put a little bit of time on her in that last loop. But just uh, she put so much time on me in the first five that. <laughs> that I couldn't catch her, but that was encouraging when I felt like I was making up ground a little bit. But, but yeah, so with the bio and a half, I knew that it was going to be, I knew I was going to finish strong. And then when I finished and I actually, like, I had no idea what time I was running though. So when I like crossed the line, I looked up and I saw 222, like that, like I have so many pictures of Evie like, celebrating again, like I won like the Olympics, but, um, cause you're going to put probably like, yeah, does she know she was second? We should maybe tell her. <laughs> oh, 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 what they don't know is you're going to be able to put the fastest marathon time on the mantle in your house now. So I got the family PR. I've tried so many times to get that family PR. Isn't it 230? Isn't his 230? Two, 231. <sighs> yeah, I got it. I finally got it. But it took me a while. It took me a while <laughs> to get that. Seriously, the last three marathons, I went in with that as my goal. And so it took me three marathons to get that family record, but. You're making team studs, 
so so when you have that that kind of drop uh so from like like chris said you were in the 230s down to 222 how do you how do you approach the next one like uh, because obviously like chris mentioned earlier there's there's always diminishing returns as you get faster how how do you game plan race plan for the next one um because I'm not trying to be negative or anything, but odds are you don't drop another, you know, 10 or 11 minutes in, in the marathon from marathon to marathon. Do you have to like humble yourself a little bit or is it just like, obviously you mentioned you had more in the tank towards the end of that one. So, you know, there's, there's faster there, but how do you determine what the, what the next goal is? So that's a really clever question too. So when I did, um, I guess three marathons ago, I did the Berlin in 2019 and I felt like I was in 230 shape then and I ran 234. It was, it was not a good race for me. And I was a little bit confused with pacing, but also I just, it wasn't there that day, but I left that race saying I'm a 230 marathoner. And then fast forward to the trials. Like I thought I was in like 226 shape that day and I ran again, 234. But I left that race being like, well, the time didn't show up, but I know I'm a 226 marathoner. And then the um, marathon project, I was going for 222. And I actually hit that. But that's funny. That's the one out of the last three that I've hit. But every every time I've tried to take off about four minutes. And I've kind of moved forward like I did. So the next race, I think I'm going to try to run 218 <laughs> and take off another four minutes. So uh, so we'll see. I know it's going to take a lot of like stars aligning for that, you know, like just putting your body through a marathon cycle, like a lot can happen. Um, but I feel like I know where I can improve and I'm really excited with kind of just the progress that I'm seeing. And, uh, I'm going to go and try to take another four minutes off. So that's kind of how I've worked in cycles, but, uh, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. Like I, I always say a lot can happen between point A and point D, but um but that's where my mind is right now what's kind of cool that i saw was and i was gonna i was thinking about this question on my run i was like being away from the sport for that long the majority of your the people that you ran against have since retired but that's not totally the case sarah hall was around during your time uh, just yeah yeah because it would have been the big three it was hall webb and and ritz so it would have been she's still in the sport so like this it's it's pretty cool to see like she's running so well but also you have a a little bit of an advantage you have a not that many years of uh pounding on your legs that you've saved yourself so it's kind of cool to see you or and then you've seen guys like bernie like bernard the gods run like sub 13 at like i think he was like 38 when he did that like like it's still like you can still run really well in your in, in, in your thirties. And she's like, all right, and then you take somebody that hasn't run for that many years, it's like, okay, take off that years of pounding, like what can happen? And like it's I think that's exciting to see for a lot of people, whether it's at the professional level or even just like us are typical hobby joggers. It's uh, it's pretty cool that <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. Um and, and 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 so uh, hearing on hearing on one of the podcasts too was uh, your experience going back to the track because I just had this experience because I'm I'm a big spike nerd so like I have 
uh, I still have like two pairs of Nike Jasaris and like four pairs of Nike Kennedys. Uh, I have like basically all the big spikes from like early 2000s are like milers, all of them. Like I still have about 40 pairs of spikes in my house still. I ran my 5K PR in a pair of Nike Kennedys from 2002. Um, and I didn't think I was ever going to hit the track again. And so like, well, I can't, I can run in vapor flies on a 10K and it's going to be fine. You can't run in vapor flies on a 10K and it'll be fine. So how was it like running in spikes again? And I guess also running in spikes from, I think the last time, if you were running in, in 2008 and 2009, it probably was a milder right before the, maybe the early victory. So like, how has it changed so much? Like two technologies changed a ton now. Yeah, it's changed a lot. It, uh, it was definitely a little intimidating to me to switch over, but the switch was easier than I thought it would be. Um, in February, I did a lot of my workouts and even like some full tempo runs in the, in spikes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I, it's definitely a different sensation and it's a different feel. So it took a little bit of getting used to, but, um, but I feel like it was smoother than I thought it would be. Um, so I'm looking forward to, uh, to get another race to, to see how it goes again. Cause even during that time, like you have the Ventilus and I ran my 5k PR in 2012 with the Ventilus. Cause I, I loved that spikes from that era. The upper was super comfortable and I didn't really like the Matumbo. So I just wore yeah. the Ventilus. But even then, like at a 5k, like my casto hated me. So yeah. like, maybe even like you're wearing the milers during that time and like your calves can take a little bit of time <laughs> to recover. So like, it's like you're hitting back to the track and it's like, oh, I still, it's like, there's some kind of like, kind of war memories of like the next day it's like oh my cows are gonna hate me oh i remember that too. <laughs> i remember that too and just all how like closing any race how like fast you have to go and i remember that just burning the day after too but but i'm here for it yeah man. we i went i went back to the track for a 10k and i was like i've never run a 10k on the track and i was like oh this is not great <laughs> so you ran you ran it i mean watching that race it was bad temperature for everybody it was humid and not great you still got a otq and you weren't happy about it either <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to run a little bit faster but uh but yeah it was really hot and humid and immediately i started feeling just my body get overheated and i was coming from like 20 30 degree weather so it just like really shocked my system but um yeah so that did not go how i wanted it to go but um but yeah <laughs> That's <laughs> tough too, because in a 10k when they're not going, like I was thinking, I was like, I felt like I was running for so long. I'm like, okay, I gotta be almost done. Yeah. And I saw 13 laps left. I'm like, 13? Are you kidding me? I have to do another 13 of these before I can be done running. But yeah, that's when you are not having yeah. a day. Very different from how everything went in the marathon. But um, but it just tucked it through, and I'm like, maybe maybe if I hold on, I can qualify for the trial. So luckily, I was able to do that. But and it's it, not an easy way to run. And it sucks because like you can't find many 10ks. You can't find many places right. to qualify right now. First of all, right. and then you can't right. find many 10ks in general at all in this day and age because like Diamond is taking a ton of them all out of the out of the picture. And then just in general, nobody really runs 10ks except like Peyton Jordan or even a fast 10k. It's tough. So. Exactly. And I think like one thing that's really helped me with having the 2020 season that I did is that I was kind of just 
generally training for everything. And then I would jump into a race and I had pretty good like race intuition for different distances. So I feel like even if my next race or my next 10 K race is at the trials, I feel pretty good about that because I'm just hoping it's a little like not as hot as it was for the last one, but um, like, I'll be okay if that, that's the next one. Do you think running by yourself or i mean you do have somebody that that helps you pace now um but for that long has helped you i guess become a tougher runner when it comes to these like these types of like weather conditions or even like i mean it's such a mental game in running is that is that yeah. something for you yeah yeah i definitely think so like i um yeah like and my coach and i talk about too that i mean some days it's raining or some days it's whatever and if it's, I mean, if it's really not safe, we'll, we'll change a workout or if like, if I'm physically not feeling okay, we're, we're very quick to, to change something, but like, I'm okay going at it for whatever temperature or whatever weather or whatever, just to get used to it. Um, and I feel like that definitely makes me stronger. And I think you're right. A lot of it is that, that mental strength, but, um, but I think too, like, I mean, in 2020, like, I was really proud to be an unattached runner. I felt like it really represented like who I was and how I did things. And now I'm really proud to be with Nike. Um, and especially just because I've been running in their shoes for so long. Um, so I'm going to use that, you know, as like the new, you know, the new, uh, the new pride, but, um, but what, yeah, sorry, I kind of got off track. What's really so funny is like the, the stuff that you're wearing right now, well, the stuff that they're putting out now, is like from when you like the logo and how they're putting it is like how you were when you were in high school. <laughs> it's so interesting to see that because like I'm again I'm a big like Spike and like and Spike and uh, like just I guess Nike nerd too. It's like and there's a lot of like the same kind of like logo. What they like even your, your sweater? It's like that's yeah. how they would have it before and like and even just seeing like they did a Desari kit a couple years ago and I was like you're going back to the classics this is so I cool know. i love it yeah that's my classics the high school classics and but even though yeah it's cool your professional photos was like the kit looks like it's like it's it looks high tech but also it looks like something from like like uh like flojo like it yeah. kind of gave those like those kind of vibes of like this is cool <laughs> yeah the retro look yeah it's cool yeah you think they were like one day, like we got Kira Damato, we have to make her feel like she never took that time off. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna make this feel like circa late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, they were playing, they're blasting that music, but I accepted it. <laughs> Next steps: we have the Olympic trials coming up, but also just for for people that are listening. Any races on the calendar? We got we got the ten k standard out of the way. That five k town trial doesn't count, so we gotta get a five k standard out of the way. We do. Do we know where we're gonna be running that yet? Not yet. Not yet. It's still all up in the air. Um, I ideally I'd be doing a five k and a fifteen before the trials. Um, and. But in the yeah, 15, that's like intimidating, like super intimidating, but I will show up and put it all out there. But I think that'll really help just on my, with my speed. But, um, but yeah, so we'll see how everything, the schedule shakes out and what I fit in and what I feel like I need to do to tune up for, for the trials. But we're still, uh, we're still in the works to try to figure that out. 
Is there any hope that we'll see a 218 marathon attempt at the Updog Marathon? <laughs> <laughs> that would be so awesome, man. Yeah, uh, probably not, but also maybe. <laughs> no, I don't know. If you ever do the Updog Marathon, hit hit me up. I'm, I, I, I'm down to jump down for the up, jump. I jump up for the Updog. Run a marathon yet? But I am down to <laughs> run the Updog Marathon. Yeah. You guys are really giving me some ideas here. This, this is where it starts. You know, this is where the seed is planted and then it turns into a thing. And that would be awesome. Off dog marathon. That can, has a good ring to it. I like that. Can we get can we get a also can we get a um can, can we get some some info on this this team stud slug thing? Cause the trash talk. And also the team slugs, because uh, I saw I was looking at photos to add for my little like graphic, but the tagged photos, the slugs are putting out some content. <laughs> oh my god, I'll have to send you. I think it's maybe in my Instagram link, but the website my husband made. Oh, I saw that. Slugs. It's so good. Is like really good. It's really. He's like, I think this is his first like website that he's ever made. Like he's got a really strong website game and he's been making like a lot of inspirational pictures, like putting the slug on the steps, like the Philadelphia step with Rocky <laughs> and like, like detaching a rocket to the slug and like sending them to the moon and everything. But yeah, this like, it's kind of just some internal like trash talk in the house. Like I told him that I could get a team of 12 females and beat him with a team of 24, whoever he wants. And uh, it kind of turned into this. <laughs> so I recruited um, pretty much the last like 12 females that crossed my path. I asked them like, hey, can you guys help me stick it to my husband? And they all said yes. Um, so like Molly uh, Seidel was the first one that said said yes. And she was pretty pumped. Like, And I think she probably wants to win more than I do for this. Like she wants to stick it to my husband more than I do. <laughs> but then we have... Um, Jordan Hesse is on the team, and Emma Bates, and um, Paige Stoner, Lindsay Flanagan, Allie Kiefer, um, that is an Molly Culver. That is an insane yeah, team. Pretty insane team. So, Stats are and, stacked. <laughs> Stats are stacked, yeah. So we are ahead of the slugs right now, but um, the slugs are a little crazy, too. Like, I know there's, like, Wild they would just go out. I know, they would go out and run, like, all day, so I'm not counting them out at all, but... Uh, if you had to say something to the uh, to the slugs right now, what would you tell them? Oh man! So here's my problem: is I'm not the best trash talker. So last year we did this, and I got because um, my husband like does videos like Macho Man Randy Savage. Yes. So last year I got Jake the Snake <laughs> to trash talk on my behalf. He oh, you did one of the one of the. You uh, did a cameo. I did yes. a cameo and just said, oh, "Please awesome. trash talk my husband." So he did that. So this year I'm trying to think of like another wrestler. Me and Brett are wrestling fans, so we're big I'm, fans of this. I'm a wrestling nerd. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. This so is good. We're happy with so, help. Yeah. We're unfortunately limited to the wrestlers that are on Cameo. Otherwise, I don't think I could really get them. So oh, my number one guy. List, I can let you know for sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll send you the list. We looking. We looking eighties and nineties wrestlers, or are we looking? So like... his favorite is like the true like WWE like is the nineties. Like he oh, likes the God. Macho Man and all of 
that. So early like 90s. 90s is his time. Yeah, early 90s, whatever. That's when he says, like, wrestling was, like, the best. Promo time. All right. It's, it's good then. All right. So I think his, like, second favorite is Ric Flair, <sighs> who is also on Cameo, but that's expensive. $500. Yeah, that's He's a pricey boy. It's a pricey boy. a little old, too. I don't know if I would go with Ric Flair at this no, point. No, but time. Ric Flair could still put it down. He can still Rick get a... He can still talk some he can shit. Still, he can still woo. He can still I mean, woo. he can hit you with a woo, too, and that, yeah, I was going to say that's going to... It's, it's enough. That's going to put it over the top. Do you know how many woos I've heard in my lifetime <laughs> since being married to, like, a Ric Flair fan? Like, I hear woo all the time. <laughs> the studs are going to be wheel and dealing. Best, woo! Best Ric Flair woo? Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Take it. We'll take it. A lot better. My husband knows the whole like the whole thing. Like I don't the whole Ric Flair. Oh my god. The wrestle the, the Royal Rumble like whole speech. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The... He knows the whole thing. Uh, I am now the biggest. I'm now the biggest fan of your husband. Off the top of my head because I know. It's he's just like all sweating. He's just going out and just ranting. It's oh oh this is oh this is great. I, I, it has something about girls it's, in it too. It's, it's, it's limousine riding, <laughs> jet flying, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun, or something along those lines. <laughs> That's you. What you nailed it. That's there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. team will put together a woo-filled shit-talking video just for you. <laughs> I, I grew up with two older brothers, so I know I know how to talk my shit. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, that's, okay. that's the game there. I played soccer. I'm, I'm the same way. We talked a lot of shit. That's yeah, awesome. that's what we're here for. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, to finish this off, uh, Nicole, did you have any any rapid fire questions for you? I do, I do. Um, so I we usually do a little segment at the end of our elite files. I mean, this is only like the second or third time it's happened, but yeah. it's a thing now. Um, where I just get like a ton of random questions from random people, and they're usually like this or that questions. Um, so these are going to be really rapid fire. You have like two seconds to answer. Uh, are you ready? Ready. You ready? Okay. Um, what's your favorite school subject? Math. Oh, same. Uh, are you a dog person or a cat person? Oh, I guess I'm gonna say cat. I'm just not really either. Yeah, I know that's so lame. Person. I'm like, I'm gonna be so judged by this. I'm just not really either, to be honest. Are you a bird person? No, I'm just not really. <laughs> I'm just like a person person, you know? Like, I have two kids, and they are like so... Like, I have to clean up so much on just the two kids. I don't have it in me to clean up after an animal. So fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, do you have a favorite kind of cookie? Yes, chocolate chip. The classic. Okay, really? Do it. I will. I will go right to just the cookie dough. Like I don't even need to make the cookies. Just give me the cookie dough. There's That's a lot of. Wait, there's a lot of chocolate chip. It's a classic. 
can we can we get it a plug a, plug best chocolate chip cookie oh i think the best one actually my cousin travis makes the best chocolate chip cookie and uh he's told me the secret and it's not only love there's something else that he does. <laughs> part of it is you refrigerate it for 24 hours but so my mom makes really good chocolate chip cookies and she uses vanilla pudding in her recipes and it makes them like Fluffy. really soft. It's when you, like, when you have our dinner, I eat way too many. When we have our dinner with the Rupert Floats, can you bring some of yeah. those, please? You're bringing the cookies. I, I like, yeah. freaking love vanilla pudding. I really, really, really like vanilla pudding. <laughs> yeah, your reaction to that was just like, like, what? And vanilla cookie, vanilla pudding and cookies. This is really, it's, it's really blowing oh. What you got next, Nicole? Right. Uh, iced coffee or hot coffee? Ice. All right. I respect that. Uh, what's your favorite city? Richmond, Virginia, where I'm at right now. There we go. Whoop, whoop. I love Richmond. I'm trying to come there in November, hopefully. Trying to go, go to the, right trying to go to the answer brew pub for me, please. <laughs> uh, are you a meat person or a veggies person? Right now I'm in a veggie mood, but usually I think nine times out of 10, I would say meat. Meet, meet, meet. <laughs> I'm looking like a big carrot face. I just got, I just got an air Carrots fryer, so, so I'm air frying like every vegetable I can find, and I'm going through like I have like a whole new love for uh for it. Yeah, get get some carrots, chop them up, throw toss them in olive oil and cumin, and then put some like um black beans with like jalapeno. You can make tacos and queso uh, queso ranchero on top. It's amazing. So, I'm going to one-up you, though. I've been putting avocado oil. And Ooh. I know I had the whole story about olive oil earlier, but I've been using a little avocado oil with my carrots. And I have, my mom gave me this, like, seasoning. It's called um, special shit. But they have, like, special shit, good shit, and bullshit. But there will be seasonings that are, like, so delicious. And there's one called aw shit. <laughs> but it it's is, the they, shit. It's really, really this. good. They need to add bomb ass shit to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll write them a letter. Pen pending, pen pending, pen pending. Yeah. You got any more? What is your favorite season? Um, bomb. Fall. <laughs> bomb season, that's right. Fall, fall, definitely fall. Uh, you could share a root beer float with anybody, alive or dead. Who is it? Oh, man. Um, I'm probably going to pick my grandmother, Nan, and... She's dead, and if it's well, I'm probably going to pick either Conan O'Brien or Malcolm Gladwell. So for different reasons, I respect that. I respect that. Chris <laughs> better get that Malcolm Gladwell run with you pretty soon. Cause I heard, I heard that oh that God. I was like, oh, there's going to happen. This is actually can happen. Dude, and they're like hanging out all the time. Yeah, they're going to raise each other. Now. Yeah. I'm like, how can I, like, kind of like I snuck down and held the finish line tape for Janet Malcolm. I need to figure out yeah. how to, like, sneak it and hold the finish line tape for one of them. Nicole and I actually went down to the Olympic Trials Marathon because uh, my coach was racing. And um, I, me, oh, I was a very drunk Chris hanging out. I, I had a, I, had a, I think it was like a five-minute conversation with a drunk Chris Travis. He probably doesn't even remember who I am, but it was a very, it was like the end of the bar night and everybody's like out and about in the town. And yeah, so. That sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. You are a professional wrestler. What is your walk-up music? 
Oh, that is such a great question. That is a really, really good question. So I think it would be, okay. I have one song in my head and I'm saying, don't say that song. Think of another song. Don't say that song. Think of another one. But I'm just going to say the song. Have you guys heard, it's by Little T and the one track Mike. It's a song called Shaniqua Don't Live Here No More. And I love that song. It was like my jam back in high school. And I think I might say that because there it's so cloudy in my brain right now. I can't even think of another song. That or Hey Yeah, because that was my husband's and I like first dance song by Outkast. That's so, such a great first good. dance song. Yeah. So one of those two songs. I'm gonna say hey. Actually I'm going all in and hey. Forget the Shaniqua song. We're going all in and hey. Oh, that's good. All right. What's your favorite running workout? Ooh. There was one I did at the beginning of 2020 where I did 40 times 200 with like 30 to 45 second rest. And I was totally by myself. It was like the paces were fine, but just like mentally staying engaged and keeping track of that was just like the biggest crazy mind twist of like, like during, like my head went to so many places doing that. Like at first I was thinking, oh, this is going to be fun. And then I was thinking my coach might hate me. And then I was like, I, he really does hate me. I wonder what I did to piss him off. And then I went, I'm like, well, maybe he's teaching me a lesson about like perseverance, but like just where my mind went during that whole thing. And actually what I did is I tried to get back at him. So I did 41. And then I sent him like my times afterwards thinking this was going to be like the best prank of all time that he'd be like, Oh, she did 41. You know, that's, this is that point zero zero one where she's not listening to me. But, uh, so he just wrote back good workout. I'm like, Hey, did you like count how many I did? He's like, I don't need to count. The workout was 40. I'm like, well, I did 41. He's like, good. <laughs> so there was zero reaction, but that's probably, that was probably one of my favorite workouts. Just the mental, whatever I went through mentally and that was just kind of, kind of fun to sort through. Yeah, it's, how, do you keep, how do you keep track of yeah, 40 repeats? I say, I've, I've, I've done 20 by 200 and I love that workout, but gee, doubling it, I don't, I, I lose track sometimes when I do like 10 or lose track of five! <laughs> so what I did, this is kind of crazy, but I have these like stackable rings on my hand. And so I use it like I make an abacus on my hand. So like I start, <laughs> Like, it's kind of crazy, but I've made my own counting system with my ring. So whenever I'm doing workouts, I don't get lost because I'll move after each set, I'll move the ring to the next one. And then when I get to like, I do it in like with a base of eight, I know that sounds crazy, but I don't use my thumbs because the rings don't really fit on the thumb. So I can buy eights. And so every time I get to eight, I move the second ring onto another finger. So that's the smartest fucking thing that I've heard. That's awesome. Oh my god. Yeah, so just get like I got these from Erica Sarah. She like she has like running jewelry, which is really cute, but she has a bunch of stackable rings. But um yeah, so do stackable rings. You need probably at least two. Um just to be able to You need sets. five in that case. <laughs> that is so like legitimately oh that's like one of the what? It's blowing my mind. Really, I can't like I cannot remember like anything. So the fact like as soon as I'm done, like if I like one a couple weeks ago, I had, I think, like, five sets of, like, two, three hundred, three hundred or something. So I just, like, I just keep rings on different fingers so I know which set I'm on and which rep I'm on in that set. So, um, yeah, it's like a foolproof method. As long as, yeah. as soon as you finish, you stop your watch, change the ring, and then you'll keep track. 
That's so cool. Also, you're welcome. Also, it's like, like again, I go back to the track nerd thing. Like, it's pretty cool to see like Scott has an American record in the mile for the men's, and now has an American record in the ten mile. Like, fifteen years, like fourteen or fifteen years later, it's just so cool. Like, I haven't heard his name. I haven't heard his name in like I haven't heard his name in ten years. I know. He, I think it's so funny because, like, when I was training with his team and Alan's team, like, I was kind of the goofball. Like, I mean, what you see now is kind of how I was then. And I think everyone kind of appreciated I'm very, very different from Alan. He's very regimented. He's very calculated. He's very, like, he's very focused. And he's a really fun person. But, like, when it's track time, it's track time. And I'm like totally the opposite. Like I can be like a goofball and I'm running around doing whatever. And when I'm doing workouts, I'm like real serious during it. But in between reps, I can be joking around and doing whatever. Um, so, but I was so opposite of Alan that like after the 10 mile, I called my coach one day just cracking up. He's like, what's so funny? And I'm like, there's just something so funny that like, 10, 15 years ago when like you had that group, if I were to told you there would be someone else from that group that 15 years from now was <laughs> an American record, <laughs> would you have ever thought it would have been me? He's like, no. I'm like, isn't that funny? <laughs> you know? So we like both giggle at that. And so now I'm like, it's pretty funny. Cause like Alan with the mile, that is such a legit yeah. record. Like 10 mile feels a little bit like an off distance. Like I need to get like, you know, I need to get get another one. You know, on the other side, like if you saw the, the Twitter threads of like people saying like she went through ten k and that like people were going wild. Like really? I remember following along. I was like, I think it was lots of run and Twitter was like, whoa, what is she going through? We're like this is crazy. You know, it's really cool to hear that because I don't seek out like. I don't look for stuff. Yeah, like that's that, that's know? what it's I saw. Cool to hear. It's really yeah. cool to hear. I remember but... I remember like checking that out. I was like, oh, this is like, yeah, we were all freaking out about that. Also, yeah. uh, like a funny yellow up story. We were at Club Cross 2018 in Portland, and uh, me and my buddies came out, and we were it was like we were all just being being drunk idiots at the after party of Club Cross because that's how Club Cross works. And there's yeah. a knock at the outside of the convention center. We open the door. It's Alan Webb. And we're just like, wait, what? We were actually watching his videos to get us pumped up for our race that morning. The oh, 20, so I think cool. it was 2006 when he beat uh, Bernard Legat, and he like went on his knees and just was like, and and we're like, we watched that video that morning and we're just like, it's like, what are you doing here? And he's just so lax and we're not used to seeing a lax on the web. And it's like, he's, he's just such a cool, he's such a cool person. I really, I really love that guy a lot. He's, he's a good dude. He's a really good, a really smart guy too. Very, very smart. But yeah. I got like three more questions. Okay. Let's go. Okay, I'll try to be quicker. Sorry. No, I get no, ready. that's on me. <laughs> you, you are fine. We, we tend to get really off topic on this podcast. That's why the intro is beers, miles, and whatever else we can manage to come off topic with. <laughs> we appreciate you staying on this long, by the way. We really yes, do. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, if you had to move out of the country and live in another country, which one would you pick? Probably Canada. I really, really like Canada a lot. And I've like visited there a couple times and it's so pretty and then it's close enough that if I needed to like come home and visit family, it's close enough. And, um, yeah, I definitely would pick Canada. Awesome. Um, what is your dream race? Mm, the updog marathon. 
Promote the huck. Promote the huck. Do you just have rated doggo with a wheel? It's amazing. Yes. Well, I'll, I'll strap a wheel to my dog and send her free. Like 26 oh. miles. Okay, right, 13.1. Turn around. <laughs> that would be appropriate for a dog to measure. Doggo. Oh, imagine having that. That'd be the graphic. Is like it's a dog with a like a a wheel, oh. like a like oh a. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <sighs> I also, because of this conversation, I'm retracting my comment that I love cats more. I'm going to put it back to the dog. I was not relating all this, so I'm going back. I'm full on dog. She's up dog. So, she is up dog. Up, up dog. I'm going to do up dog. Okay, sorry. Correction. All right. And the last one is, if you were a superhero, which one would you be? So, does it have to be a real superhero or one that I make up? Oh, I, I like mean, that. I can make it up. That's you. Okay. Why not? Yeah. Okay. Um, probably. So one time I was hypnotized on like you know one of those like those like the comedian hypnotizer. So one time I was on stage, I was hypnotized, and like one thing that he did was make me think I was a superhero. So I had to get up, and this is like a state like people are like full in this like room. There's like hundreds of people, so I had to get up and introduce myself as a superhero. So I was oh man. I forget my superhero name, but I wore leather pants and a sweater vest. And it was something about beating people up, but then also becoming best friends with them. <laughs> so somehow it was like the leather and the sweater vest. It was, oh man, I want to remember that superhero name. Oh, I can't remember. This it sounds like it sounds like biker Mr. Rogers. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was like Biker Rogers. It was something like or maybe I was like just beating up bullies and I'd be nice to people if they were not I don't quite remember. So that was that that's my made up one. That was so big. I wish I hadn't told that story. Just biker Mr. Good. Rogers. That's so good. <laughs> bullies in the neighborhood. I think, I think we have a name for this podcast. Biker Mr. Rogers. Uh my because it's Spears and Miles. If you could have any beer, like they could, the your favorite beer of all time. So when I was training right after college, I did like a European tour, and we stayed for a while in Belgium. Uh-huh. And there was this like raspberry um, beer that was the best beer I've ever tasted. I cannot remember the name, but it's Can- a Belgian raspberry beer. Can't you? Say, Cantillon? Oh. Does it no, kind of tart? Bad, it sounded close. No, I think it started with a C. I mean, um, Cantillon, because it would have been sour, because it's Belgium. Oh, well, then maybe, yeah, we'll say that. Maybe it was that. You should just figure out that you're you're a big fan of, like, from Bois. It's like, oh, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, but it was crazy over there, because, like, water, it's just to get tap water at, like, a meal. It costs money, and like beer, I think was actually cheaper. Yeah. So when you go out and just drink beer, it was awesome. And our favorite question to ask: How many shirts? <laughs> shirts am I wearing right now? How many shirts? It's the same question we ask shirts? everybody. How many? I'm shirts? gonna say forty-two. I like that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. That's the quickest answer we've gotten. That people that weren't prepped for this answer. 
Good. Me too. What uh, is there? Now can I get the whole? Yeah. So so early on in the podcast, uh, we have some of my shithead friends decide to say like, "How many shirts do you own?" And they would comment that every every time I ask questions, they would say, "How many shirts? How many shirts? How many shirts do you own?" And uh, so we'd ask. We started asking it to every one of our guests. It's like how many? And we just said, "How many shirts?" And and so there's only one podcast listener why it's the only one that actually it's like he he was waiting the entire two hours of it, just waiting for that to happen he's like i think i got it i got it and he's like i've been waiting for it and uh yeah so and, and i was like we're like how are you going to respond to how many shirts that's so funny i love that it's random that's really funny i'm gonna start commenting on your guys's posts with that I'm 42 and i'm sticking with it there you go we have a 39 club too i don't know where that came from but I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was because uh, Nicole sent oh, me those God. shoes and we were talking about, I, I had run a 200 somewhat fast and I was like, I think I could, I think I could run like a 56 in the quarter right now. And you're like, how, how fast do you think you could run in the Hoka's? And I don't remember if it was me or you it was like probably, probably about 39. <laughs> And so 39 has been the running joke since. Yep. It's, certain, it's like, I'm trying to run this in the half. It's like, but is it 39? It's like, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So we'll finish this off. And, uh, well, real quick, I want to bring up that you have a half this weekend. Yeah. And we need to figure out. So the time to beat is 68.57, I think. Mm-hmm. So what is our wager on this? If you can beat my PR, what are we willing to uh, put on the line for this? I'll throw out I'll throw out a, a a package of beer on my end. Okay, okay. Well, ditto. We I'll go. We have some really good breweries here in Richmond. You guys um, have the answer. Is that a brewery? The answer brew pub is like. <laughs> oh my gosh! The, I don't even know. That's yet. like the most hype be, uh, brewery out there. And I think there's I like R A R R A R might be out there in Richmond. Yeah. So we have, I know we have a lot. We're always ranked really high on like the nationwide brewery. So I'm not a huge beer person, as you can tell. And I don't have a very big social life, but I will figure out where the answer, I will figure out the answer and I will send you some answers if you run sub 68.57. I will take that. I will take that, that wager. There we go. Uh, Nicole and I uh, will also be at Boston. I don't know if you will be at Boston around or even around Boston, the Boston uh, Marathon at all, but we're going to be up there. So We will see. I'm definitely doing a fall marathon. I am still trying to figure that out, though. But yeah, you have choices as an elite. You have choices. You can sign up whenever you want, basically. This is yeah, so cool. Yeah, you know that one, the London Marathon? When you run across the bridge, Tower Bridge, it's like a life-changing experience. I'm not really? saying that you have to run London, but I'm saying it will change your life. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. That's really powerful. Yeah, I don't know which one yet, but we will We will Stay see. tuned. And speaking of that, how can they follow your running endeavors? And you have one of the best uh, Stravas. Actually, I just like... I was like looking through it and it's like, oh, she has a really great stop. And I'm like, wait, what? And I looked and I was like, dad jokes extraordinaire. <laughs> so where can they follow you and follow your, your running career? 
Yeah, so Strava, if you want to see what I'm doing day to day, I put everything out there, good, bad, and ugly, and then also some really terrible jokes. So if you have a sense of humor, and I'm not saying a good sense of humor, but if you <laughs> just in general like some lame jokes, that's a good place for you to go. But otherwise, on Instagram, that's probably where I'm most active. So Kira D'Amato. So, and it's uh, like the spelling rule I before E except after C. My name does not follow that. <laughs> so it's K E I R A. So it's probably why I'm a terrible speller. I started off on the wrong foot. And Nicole, where can they follow you? I am Nicole the Runner on Instagram. I'm also very active on Pokemon Go. Um, Nikki Smalls XO is my name. Um, please DM me if you feel like adding me and doing some rates together. Brent, where can they follow you? Um, I'm at Hunter Runner on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, if you want to play video games with me on Xbox, it's Little Hunter Five. Um, and if you want to DM me uh, and ask for my Pokemon girlfriend code, um, just DM me on Instagram as well. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, before I even get to you, Chris, I'm on Pokemon Go too. Whoa, what? I am. <laughs> okay, so I signed up for my daughter, right? Like I thought this would be a fun thing to go on walks, catch. Oh, air, air quotes for your yes, daughter. Uh -huh. Now it's like all me. I'm on level. I just got upgraded to level thirty-three. I'm pretty proud about. It. You're ahead of me. I've been doing this since twenty sixteen. Oh, my, I just joined during like COVID. I I forget my name. I think it's I think it's um Quinny Benny. Q U. Do you have to do you search my name on that or? I think no, it's code. There's, like a there's, there's a friend code. Okay, so yeah, DM me on Instagram. I'll send you my friend code. I really want a lot of friends because I love opening up all those. Gifts. Yeah, because we have to get the 151 I, like gifts now. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So also. I would love to be invited to a raid. I don't get very many, very many raid invites, and I love a raid. Here's a question: so I'm not every single Wednesday at like six, six to seven. They just do a whole hour of whoever the legendary Pokemon is, and like I usually invite those two to those raids. So yeah, I can put them on the list, and you can come raid with us. Please. So I always try to raid. Like I feel like I'm a pretty slow learner with this. I always try to raid on those like forty to fifty thousand point pokemon by myself and like Sorry, i can't tell you how many times i've lost but every time i go in real confident this is going to be the one that i win but i've now learned like i can't do it alone yeah you, get, you need at least like eight or nine practice. people yeah running is a solo sport but pokemon go is it's got to be a group effort that's <laughs> cross country so, for sure i'm so pumped hey have you guys noticed like the rockets haven't been coming lately no not at all yeah. No, they have yeah. it, and it's, it, it's so it's so annoying. I just got to level forty three, and they give you this like task. That, yeah, I've been I, I'm obsessed. But they give you this task, and they're it's like giving you a bunch of the Pokemon that only come from like the rocket eggs that you get from the leaders. And one of the tasks right now is defeat forty three Team Go Rocket Grunts, and I have zero and i can't find any because there's a glitch and they're trying to repair the glitch and so now we're just sol yeah because yeah. i haven't done like the homework on it like i'm kind of a learn by doing so i kind of get in there and just kind of go for it but um yeah so i don't think i'm very good but I, i'm pretty good at the battles there's a rocket balloon. what what yeah i think they're back Maybe they just needed the world needed to hear me. Uh, uh, also, who 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 is who is your Pokemon that you travel with? 
Oh, well, my favorite is like the, the little um, bird that has the green onion thing. That's probably my favorite Pokemon. Oh, Farfetch. Farfetch? No, that's yeah, a good one. That's yeah, a good one. With his leap. Yeah. He just smacks people over the smack. Have you gotten have you gotten the newest one where he has the little shield and the little sword? What? The, the oh. Galarian. It, it's Galarian yeah. Farfetched. He he walks around with his uh you have to get it so i know yeah there's two different forms and like they you can get them out of eggs i know that but they have like the regular form which is like if you walk like when i was in japan i caught like 30 of them but the galarian form you can only get i think from 7k eggs and so if you have one of those and then they have a you have to adventure with them to evolve i don't remember what the requirement is but you can evolve it's a sir it's called surfetched and it, looks, it looks like that. If you can oh see it. He's, he's angry. He's very angry. I think that's a little leaf shield. I think I have Surfetch. But my buddy right now is the monkey dude. I don't really know most Mankey? of the names. No, it starts with the C. Chimchar? Yeah, Chimchar. Oh. The little fire. The, the little arms. Fire the arms, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, where's that? Yeah, so that little, oh man, I'm so bad at this. Can you see? <laughs> You're on AR mode. Uh, up, up a oh, little bit. I'm on AR mode. What? Oh gosh, I'm terrible. <laughs> okay, that guy. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. He's oh, so my buddy right Yeah. That's why I'm trying to evolve him right now. And is that the whole point of having a buddy is just get more candy so you can evolve him? That's all I use the buddies for. Okay. Yeah, getting, getting candies quicker. I just use my favorite Pokemon. I like Gengar. He's cool. Oh yeah, I have certain. Yeah, that's, that's my guy. I like him a lot. But yeah, so, this is really fun, man. We can have yeah. another Pokemon, man. This oh, awesome. I'd be all about that. And right on my end, if you want to follow me on any kind of things, uh, I am Beers and Miles. Um, I'll be posting beers and some miles, and hopefully, uh, I win the bet. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And I'm sure like I'm working on some some articles going forward. Um, we are also working on a podcast that's going to be uh, reflecting on 2020 and some of the highlights of a year where I think that running really benefited from a like a cultural sense. And I really I have some people that send in some audio and I'm really going to be focusing on that. Um, like we talked about in this podcast, we had a lot of people from, I, I'm pretty sure everybody that are runners uh, that has found a lot of people that weren't runners that joined us. And uh, I really want to highlight that. Um, as far as video games, XC Chris, XCCRIS, if you want to play some video games, I'm a liability on everything. You understand that. You have said this every time before. Um, and uh, also, I'm on Pokemon Go too, XCCRIS, and I'll send a friend code if you guys want to add. But uh, thank you guys for listening, and really do appreciate it. Uh, we have, uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys listening, and uh, we have a fun season coming up, and Kira's going to kill it. So shoot her a follow, and this is going to be a fun season. I can't wait for the Olympic trials, and uh, I know who I'm running for. So see you guys later.